Welcome to Harvest Beyond Sunday, a podcast that seeks to equip and inform the members of Harvest Church. My name is Jamie Trussell, credit to serving as a pastor and elder here at Harvest Church, and we're doing a special podcast for our Beyond Sunday this week. I'm joined by one of my good friends uh, and a pastor and elder serving in Shanghai, China, many of you will be uh, familiar with Jason Seville, certainly his wife, Kim. He's preached at Harvest several times and uh, a missionary we've been pleased to support. And so, Jason, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Good to be back. So it's a little different uh, format this time. I don't have my producer extraordinaire, Jonelle Cologne. I like to call him the Puerto Rican prophet, but he doesn't let me do that. But he's not here tonight. I'm sitting here on a, on a Wednesday night in my sunroom. And you're sitting there Thursday morning in your high-rise apartment in Shanghai, China. And so you have been at this quarantined life uh, due to coronavirus uh, for quite some time now. So I uh, would love for our people to get a little bit uh, of a taste of, of what it's like to be uh, in Shanghai as this is happening, as it's been happening. What's quarantine life looked like? What's daily life looked like for you over there amidst this coronavirus outbreak? Yeah, the um, I mean, it's been been a little bit of a moving target here for us. Um, you know, this has been going on for a while now. We were in Thailand at our mid year <clears throat> at our mid year conference whenever whenever kind of news of this broke, and then we flew back into China right after that, and that was January 29th. You know, we're we're uh, we're going on two months now of being in this new reality, and and so. And nobody really knew kind of what to do, especially as it hit here first. I think obviously as it's spread to the West, there's, a, you know, even though, even if people were making different decisions, there's been a little bit of a, hey, we can watch how other people handled this and have time to think about it and prepare. But here it was just kind of, it was all fresh. And so even, even with like the 14 day quarantine thing that you have now after you travel, we were, we flew back in we haven't, like nobody asked us any questions, nobody tested us for anything and then we got to our apartment life is normal you know trying to stay inside and stuff like that but i think it was day 12 we had a a security guard from our apartment complex come and say hey by the way you're supposed to have a 14-day quarantine stay inside for two days (laughs) just so they could sign us off that we had quarantined for 14 days even though we hadn't um so that was just it was kind of duct tape and string at the beginning um but they shut down a part of our church we were allowed to meet that first Sunday still in our location. Okay. They had canceled gatherings, but our hotel, we asked our hotel if they're still okay with us meeting. And they, they said the government hadn't told them that nobody could meet. And so we still met there for a week. And then we did, um, then the government told them to, they couldn't have any, any meetings of any kind. And so then we moved to an apartment and had uh, everybody there had found a private at that point, 30 or 40 some people in an apartment for a meeting. And then uh, the apartment complex is locked down the next day. And so now we're in a situation now to where we can't, it'd be hard for me to have a small group. Um, it'd be hard for me, even, even as things are getting better here concerning the virus, they still have apartment complexes locked down pretty tight. So I can go down to the mall and eat at a restaurant with 10 people, but I can't have those 10 people into my apartment because they're, they have stuff locked down pretty tight. Um, so that's been different. Schools canceled, so kids are here all the time, as as you guys are familiar with in the states by now. Um, so that's a new dynamic. And we, you know, early on in the quarantine period, if we went outside, we'd get yelled at by 
somebody, a, a guard or somebody would, would if, if, if we took our kids outside, they yell at us for having our kids outside. We went outside without a mask. Uh, they're big on wearing masks here and uh, we'd get yelled at if we didn't have a mask on. So yeah, so that's been kind of how it's, it's been. They, they've really reduced uh, uh, human contact and so all deliveries, everything kind of runs on delivery service in, in Shanghai. And so they just drop stuff off of your gate and you got to run out there and pick it up and <clears throat> bring it back to your apartment. So yeah, so they've really tried to, to, to limit, um, you know, gatherings of that type. Or if, if you do go out, they, you know, some, some coffee shops, for instance, will have a 12 person limit in the coffee shop or you just get temperature checks everywhere. Um, they're always monitoring. They have a new thing now with kind of a, you have to get this app that gives you a green, a yellow or a red, uh, image and some places are asking for you to have that because China can literally track you and know if you've been somewhere, uh, if you've traveled or something like that. And then you're, so if you travel outside of the city, your code will, will go yellow. And so, um, so they, they have uh, a thing where some people are requiring you to have that, that green code um, to be able to get in to different places. So, so everything's still pretty locked down over there even now. Well, that's the, Yes and no. So restaurants are, are open. I mean, I've, I've been, some restaurants have been open the whole time. I mean, very few have been open the whole time. Yeah. I've had a standing weekly lunch with other pastors in the city since yeah. the beginning. Since we came back in late January, we've had a, a, month, a weekly meeting with other pastors where we get together for um, this American burger place uh, appropriately named Beef and Liberty. So <laughs> and uh have a burger and uh just talk it's, it's been a good place for us to get together and just chat about man what kind of questions are we getting how are we answering them what decisions are we making what kind of things are we learning um and so because early on here it was kind of it's been cool to see this kind of i mean not cool but as this has hit the west like more church historians and pastors have started digging for historical precedent and examples and good things to read but early on we were early on or the early days of a month and a half ago yeah. we were uh, we were just scrounging around for like anything we could find so we you know i found something by spurgeon found something by luther we're just you know so we'd get together and share kind of what we we're finding with each other and um so that's always been open but restaurants are opening up more uh, just this past week they opened up more restaurants uh parks basketball courts that kind of stuff is is, is opening back up but at the same time schools are still closed down yeah um, apartment complexes are still tight to get into and our hotel, we still can't meet in our hotel yet. So I don't know. So it's, it's some of those things that really impact our life, like our kids getting to go to school and our church being able to meet in our location and us being able to have a small group over to our house. Those things are still locked down, which is frustrating. Well, at the same time, there's other things that are, are good that we can go out to a park or go out to a restaurant. So, so have, uh, you and Kim and, and the kids, I mean, been largely confined just to the apartment? Um, I would say for the first month, yeah. First three weeks, yeah. We were, we were here a lot. And so we just took it as, a, as an opportunity to, to uh, try to spin it positively, to, to do things that we like to do, but just haven't really spent, you know, haven't made the time for as much. And so um, a lot of games, a lot of family game nights, yeah. dance parties, and singing stuff together read aloud reading books we've been reading pilgrim's progress together um kim's been doing some some read aloud stuff and just doing more of that with them 
it's kind of tough here because not only do we not have a backyard or a front porch, um, we have downstairs neighbors that yell at us if we <laughs> make too much noise and jump around too much. So, so that that certainly adds a, uh, a little bit, little bit of perspective for uh, my friends in the states. Um, so we, so that's been kind of hard. And then if we do go outside, we get yelled at by somebody. <laughs> so that's uh, been that's been fun. Um, but over the last over the last couple of weeks, it's lightened up. Sorry, I was I was I was sharing this that with you earlier of going, you know, shelter in place for us. I mean, I've got backyard, front yard, basketball goal, trails to go out on. My boys were tearing it up in their play John Deere this afternoon. It would be a, a lot more difficult being confined to a high rise with four little kids. And even even think, you know, one of the other things that I've thought about is some of our friends have gone back to the States is that in Shanghai, all of our nature is gated. And so wow. there's, there's parks you can get to, and even big parks, like there's a forest park where you can go and get lost out in, out in the woods kind of a thing. But at some point it's got a wall around it. And so everything in Shanghai is, is able to be opened or shut. And so, um, so even, even there, you could hop in your car and drive somewhere and find some piece of nature to, to enjoy. But here it's kind of our, our nature is all gated. Um, but over the last, I would say over the last two, three weeks, eh, three weeks, um, it's been, and as long as our kids wear masks, when they go outside, they can go outside and play. And we have a big courtyard. They're Chinese friends that they literally play. I mean, they're, they're the best friends are Chinese and they all play together on the courtyard for hours together every day. And so that was shut down for a good month and a half. But now those kids are, are uh, getting out more and more, the Chinese kids. And so that's been fun for my, my kids to, to be able to go out and have their friends. Have you written a uh, survivor's guide to cabin fever? <laughs> not yet. You have to survive it well first before you're allowed to write that. Well, you're not quite there yet. <laughs> no. Uh, you know, this virus has been, I was, telling, I was telling a pastor friend out in Houston today, we were texting back and forth of going, I feel like this has done two primary things for me. And I think for our church and maybe for other people is, is this whole coronavirus deal has been, I think, revealing and clarifying both, I think, personally and corporately for a lot of us. And if I just apply that to me, uh, you know, revealing in a sense of, man, a lot of my distractions have been removed. Grizz aren't playing, mm -hmm. kids aren't in sports. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just, just a nightly rhythm of even having a game on in the background, whatever it is. A lot of my distractions have been removed. Yeah. And with that removal, it, it comes opportunity to, to either fill it with a mind-numbing activity that only increases disengagement, or to really sit down and say, you know, having our oldest pray tonight at, at, at dinner, you know, what would God have us to learn uh, about ourselves during this? And, and, and we're sharing Shanna earlier of going, you know, I caught myself last week being really hopeful, hopeful that the NBA season would turn around, hopeful that the market would come back, hopeful that you know, normal life would return. And the shameful part is it didn't even occur to me that I should uh, uh, have realized that I was not hopeful that the Lord would return. That I didn't even make the list. You know, I ran through my whole checklist of, <laughs> of things and that wasn't on there. And that was pretty revealing for me that, it, it, man, at some point along the way, it's easy to get lost in good things. 
And so I think that's been revealing and a little bit clarifying as far as, uh, you know, and, and look, if I was having a loved one that was dying from coronavirus, I understand my perspective would, would feel different. I, absolutely. And I don't want to be insensitive to that, but being removed from that a little bit, it's been almost a, a an appointed time to, to kind of evaluate how I'm spending time, what I'm prioritizing, what has become an idol that I didn't realize was an idol. Where have I departed from just the simplicity of following the Lord uh, amidst a world of distractions? So you've walked this road longer than myself and, and our people here at Harvest, but uh, uh, anything along those lines that you would either affirm or, or maybe shed some more light on? No, I definitely think that's true, and I, I think it's it's easy for us to to turn either to uh, the distractions that we have, or when everything else is shut out. Even people that normally wouldn't cling to watching news and and you know that. I mean, the one thing we all still have is social media and twenty four hour news cycle, and so it's easy also to to just turn to there. And I, I noticed that about myself. And again, this is I mean, this is when it first broke. We're in Thailand. And it's, you know, China is, is uh, going crazy. And, you know, I would wake up every morning in Thailand and grab my phone and look at the stats and the infection, infection rate and how many deaths there were and what was going on. And so by the, you know, I would, that would be the first thing I would do. I wouldn't grab my Bible. I wouldn't talk to my wife. I wouldn't go, you know, cause we were at this, you know, this resort with a bunch of other church families. Wouldn't go talk to them. I'm just, just like me and uh, anxiety inducing stuff. Yeah. Um, so by the time I'd get through breakfast, I was just, I was a emotionally, spiritually kind of a mess, you know, stoking fear and anxiety. And then, then I would get up, I'd read my Bible. I'd go, uh, you know, I'd talk to my wife and debrief some stuff with her. I'd, go have breakfast with other other people you know so and it would give me perspective and bring me back to reality and so i do think the more we the more we isolate uh the more those you know kind of those idols are gonna are gonna have a tendency to to come out if we don't have people speaking truth in our lives and helping us to to see things accurately um so yeah so i definitely i definitely think that's a uh, a danger and something to watch out for. And I think we all have, you know, one of the things that we saw here was that we, we've been, we've been encouraging people all along to, um, to try to, to get time with other church members. Mm. So even if that's, even if, uh, you know, worst case scenario, that's, that's a zoom call or that's a phone call or something like that. But even we, we were really trying to encourage our people to get face to face time with people. Um, and again, not telling anybody to break any laws, not telling people to, um, to do things that are going to be reckless, but even if that means going for a walk with somebody else in my church, while we keep six feet distance right. apart from one another wearing masks, it's right. good to see other humans and that's good for your soul. And so, um, but it was, it was interesting for us to see that early on. And, and one of the things we encouraged, I encouraged our church to this in a, in a letter that I kind of, we sent a weekly letter to the church just on, on the state of things and what our decisions are. And uh, early on, one of the things that I, I tried to encourage them towards was, was to realize that we all have to do some self-evaluation during the season. 
And so for, for some of us, as, you know, there's some people in our church who are more on the back to normal end of, spec of the spectrum. You know, man, we're just, it's just life is normal. Like this, you know, and I'm sure you guys have similar kind of people are all over the, the spectrum on this. And I've written about uh, one of those articles at Gospel Coalition is on how to pursue unity in the church. Um, but you have people that are on back to normal. You have other people that are on the stay inside at all times into the spectrum and, and realizing that we all should be doing what you're doing and like self, like some self-evaluation, some honesty, some reflection, because the people on the back to the back to normal end of the spectrum, it's, and that, that's kind of where I lean towards that, that direction. But I have to ask, like, am, am I being reckless or dangerous? Mm. Um, am I acting out of ignorance? Has independence become an idol to me? Right. Am I thinking accurately about sub submission to civil authority? Mm. Am I judging the motives of those with different convictions? And then the people on the other side need to ask some of the same questions, right? So if you're on the stay inside, and I'm just going to, I'm going to wait this out kind of in a bunker um, and, and stay inside as long as possible. You know, are, are those people acting primarily out of fear? Are they overcome with anxiety? Has health become an idol? Mm. Um, are you thinking accurately about, about submission to, to other church authority? If, if there's, for us, we were, we were giving uh, encouragements towards some face-to-face -face time. Are you judging motives of those with different convictions? And so I, I do think this is a good time for all of us to, to evaluate honestly. And, and I'm not saying those who stay inside necessarily struggle with, with an idol of, of health. I'm not saying those who want to go outside necessarily struggle with an idol of independence. But I think we all need to be willing to ask those questions and, and be honest with ourselves and, and see what the Lord would teach us in it. Well, no, I agree. And it was, uh, you know, most of the world, and, and I can fall into this, to most of the world is going to process this virus either in a a political lens b an economic lens or c a medical lens not necessarily in that order but those are the three main filters but i think what we have an opportunity to do yep. is help people really think through it preeminently through a theological lens not that those other things are unimportant uh they are important but they are of lesser importance uh, than a theological grid through which to process this, this, this with. Now, again, I don't know if I say that hesitantly, but I say it wanting to qualify it a little bit. Clearly, it's tragic that people are dying. Um, right. God does not delight in death, and, and neither, neither should we. But at the same time, we also have to believe that God's sovereign hand is completely on top of this. And it's even within our mm -hmm. theological grid to not simply say he allowed it, but that he intentionally brought this forth. Uh, uh, now you and me don't know that. We can't answer that with complete certainty, Jason. We don't know, we're not in the mind of God. Well, did he allow it? Did he cause it? Did he, how, how you parse that? But, but biblically considered, what we can say with great certainty is that he's in complete control. And it's not beyond the realm of possibility that this is uh, a little bit of a taste of God's, God's wrath on sin. Can't proclaim that it is for sure, but it's, it's not at least outside of the biblical possibility that uh, largely what the coronavirus could be uh, uh, trying to get us to do is be a repentant people and realize, uh, you know, we want to worship athletes Every stadium just got shut down. We want to worship money. The economy just crashed. We want to worship education. You can't even go to school anymore. You want to worship your body. The gyms are closed. Uh, you want to worship relationships. 
you got to follow a safer at home order. I mean, there, there, you could go down the line of everything we have a tendency to worship and then this microscopic viral infection has brought the world to its knees in a lot of ways. And, and uh, that's not simple happenstance. Yeah. 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 I think you're right. It does have a little bit of a feel of, uh, you know, the plagues on, in Egypt and kind of going after the, the gods of, of uh, the people, you know, there's a little bit of that. I can certainly see that. You know, I think that's one of the, the things, because um, I think you're, you're, you're walking a fine, you're, you're, you're trying to hold a good balance of, we do know God's sovereign. We, do, we don't want to go on record to saying, hey, this is why God brought, allowed this, this to happen, right? I don't think you can. Which some people are yeah. trying to do. I don't right. think you can do that right. with any confidence. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, now, it doesn't mean people aren't doing it. <laughs> well, that's true. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and that's, that's one of the good things. You know, one of my uh, encouragements to people during this time is to use this as a, as a prompt to be more well acquainted with um, church history. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people have been turning, you know, you know, the Spanish flu of 1918, um, how did, how did Spurgeon handle, uh, things during the, um, in London in his day, whenever there was a, a cholera outbreak, uh, Martin Luther, um, went through, um, some, some things, some very similar things there, you know, so, I mean, you could go, I mean, you go to Eusebius early church, uh, Dionysius. So, I mean, you know, you go church fathers, you go reformers, you, I mean, you just go through a church history and you have people that have, that have um, been through plagues and outbreaks and things like that. And so it's helpful to read how they handled that. And everybody wants to, obviously everybody wants to go grab those church historians and put them on their team, you know, mm -hmm. oh, we read Luther so we're doing this. Oh, we read, you know, the Spanish flu guys. And so we're doing this. I, I, obviously I don't, I don't think any of those, like, I don't think the church responded uniformly at any of those times, right? You have people making various decisions as we have people making various decisions now. Mm -hmm. But with reference to what you were just talking about, I do think that you do see in some of the historical pieces uh, a little bit more of a willingness to say, hey, I think God is teaching us something through this. Mm -hmm. I think God wants to humble us. I think God wants to, he's, you know, maybe even... Um, you know, wants to bring us to re repentance for something, you know, and obviously we, we want to stay so far away from prosperity theology or things like that. And rightly so that we kind of, we, we lean away from that when I think uh, we can learn uh, and be encouraged and challenged by Christians uh, and history of how they process and some of the, some of the things that they would say. Well, and there's a, there's a, there's a sensitivity challenge in there too, because pastorally you, you don't want to be callous to the fact that people really are losing loved ones. People really are suffering and it really yeah. is tragic. It really is tragic for some people out there and, and you don't want to lose sight yes. at the same time. I thought that you referenced the gospel coalition article uh, that you wrote earlier. Um, I read that. I think I texted you or emailed you right after I read it. It was really well done. And I thought it was a good picture of how to balance the fact that people, and we, can we have this in Harvest? Uh, you know, I could, I won't, but I could name members right there. You know, we have the category that is the, you know, come hell or high water, we should meet no matter what. And then we have the yep. other end of the spectrum that is, we don't need to meet till the government gives us clearance because the best way to love our neighbor is to, you know, tangibly show that we, and, 
And so I think what you're getting at in that article, which I'd commend our people, you could uh, just search Gospel Coalition, Jason Seville, um, and find it. But uh, is the reality that we're going to have some some Romans kind of 14 type moments where some of us are going to feel more at peace with some different ways of interacting with the coronavirus. And as long as we keep the unity around the fact that God's in control, our hope is in Christ, we need to give each other some freedom to uh, interact with this virus differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, and I'll just say this, I, I think Harvest is, you know, I've been following, you know, what different friends are doing in the States and decisions. And I've, I've, I've texted this to Kenan, um, but I feel like Harvest has been doing a great job of, of uh, decision-making and thinking through this. And I've, I've been encouraged by the way, I've seen the elders at Harvest um, uh, leading uh, Harvest Church during this time. So I'm really grateful for, for all you brothers and the work that you've been doing. But yeah, I think you're right. And I, for me, I've just been, you know, First uh, Thessalonians um, 5, 14, we urge you brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Mm-hmm. And so I just feel like that's been a really, that's a good grid for all of us, certainly elders and leaders to have, but I think all of us to, to think through, man, people are going to be in different places. And so some people are indeed going to be idle, and they're going to be struggling with certain things, and they need to be admonished. Some people are going to be faint-hearted, uh, and we need to help them. And, and with everybody, we need to be patient. And so um, it's been a good lesson for me to learn during this, because obviously I have my own uh, proclivities and, and uh, feelings and opinions on everything. But at the same time, uh, realizing that people are in different places and, and we need to be patient and uh, give, give uh, a lot of uh, freedom here in this. You know? you know, the other big thing, which, again, I, I don't... I don't know that either one of us could comment on this with, with great clarity or credibility, but the other kind of mainstream you get little rumbles of, or at least I have pastorally here, is you know you have these massive, horrific fires in California that gave way to terrible fires in Australia that then give way to plagues of locusts kind of in that Arabian Peninsula area that migrate into East Africa. And then you get a worldwide you know, disease pandemic and you read, you know, chronicles and you see those three things listed and, and very apocalyptic language and you can't help but interact with some folks that go, man, is this, you know, is this the end times? You can read blogs right now and say, you know, this, this is clearly from the Lord. Look at the progression of these things. And, and I think to that, which I'd be curious your perspective on, I was going to talk to my wife earlier tonight and just saying, we take the Chronicles passage. I think, I think it's in Chronicles 7. I'm going to be off on that. Uh, you know, that had, in my opinion, that had a historical fulfillment. I don't think today is a historical fulfillment of what that passage is talking about. But I think principally, yeah, I mean, we might be able to glean something from from that of saying, uh, uh, again, God's hand is on this and in this and in control of this, uh, uh, either allowing or causing. But but I, I think the the hesitancy or the warning I would offer is, I mean, you know, never never once that I can recall, and Jason, you can correct me, Jesus didn't uh, uh, really give us a lot of teaching on try to read signs so you can guess 
guess at my coming. Uh, and in a really ironic way, that can in and of itself be a bit of a distraction um, during this time as well. So trying to play New Testament prophet. And so, uh, you know, every day we live, we're one day closer to Christ returning. And, and are these signs that it's near? Maybe. Um, but maybe not. But I think our, I totally agree with you. And I think, uh, but maybe the, the, the second, the, the, the next sentence that we utter usually takes us in the wrong direction. Right. So yeah, we're not supposed to, I don't think we're meant to be trying to put a date on it or hey, that these are, this is the sign of the, you know, the sign and this, you know, uh, this is what's coming. And so what we do next often to say, well, nobody knows. And so let's just cast it far into the future. Sure. The biblical uh, teaching would be, no, we don't know, but assume it's going to be soon. (laughs) So I'm not trying to put a date on it or or do that. But I I feel like, you know, the the New Testament writers were were all assuming that, hey, man, this is the the, we're in the end times. And and this is uh, the, the day of the Lord is coming quickly. And so, yeah, so I think we, we rightly don't try to put a date on it. Don't be kind of the weird end times prophet that's going to, uh, uh, you know, write that book. And, but uh, I think the encouragement is to assume he's coming quickly. And then, I mean, again, first, I just quoted First Thessalonians 5, but um, before the passage, the, the verse that I just quoted about, you know, helping, admonishing the idol and whatnot, is uh, the, uh, Paul talking about the coming of the Lord. And uh, usually when Paul talks about the coming of the Lord and his epistles, he ends it with encourage one another with these words. <laughs> so that's what he says in first Thessalonians five, that um, this contrary to thinking about these realities that would cause us even more hysteria and more panic. Paul says, encourage one another with eschatology, encourage one another with this, that. So if, if any of these things make us think that the Lord is coming back, soon that should be an encouragement to us not a you know um but again that's all you know where is your treasure if if your treasure is built up on this earth then every step closer to death is a step away from your treasure yep but if your treasure is in heaven then every step closer to death is a step towards your treasure and i think that's the the biblical perspective completely agree and i do apologize to everyone listening for the wonderful train in Carterville that is blowing through my sunroom windows at the moment and making its appearance on our podcast. Clearly the train didn't get the memo on being socially distanced from our recording. If you, I, if you wouldn't have mentioned anything, there's so many trains going by. People would have just assumed it was live real-time train going by. Well, yeah, I guess you're right. But I will say this. I would even take your statement, even though you hit it a little bit further. Assume It's not just assume it's near, but I think uh, hope that it's near. Sure. Long that it's near. And that's where, you know, in a moment of podcast confession, I don't live in that moment on an ongoing basis of hoping that it's, that it's near. I can certainly cling, uh, uh, to, to, to good things improperly placed is maybe the way I would put it. They're just, they're just disordered a bit as Augustine would say. All right. And we only got a few more minutes here. I did, you know, the other thing I found interesting is, is I, I, what or, or one of the other things I've seen coronavirus do is, and this is not meant to give you know fuel for uh, attacking our opponents of Christianity, but I would say it has un, un, unveiled a cultural hypocrisy that 
only brings home the truth of Romans 1, that, that outside of Christ, we would live in complete futility of thinking because we are submerged in a culture that says self-autonomy is king and individual freedom rules. No one can tell you what you should do. And then 24 hours later, we're all told, if you don't do exactly what we're saying, then you are an unloving human being and you don't care about the world, the environment, your community. And it's just interesting that the same voices that would trumpet the, the godlike status of self-autonomy are now the same exact cultural voices that are saying everyone must do the exact same thing, whether you want to or not. Yeah. We, uh, that value is already in place here in China. <laughs> you know, the group mentality and looking out for others. So it's, it, it has been interesting, you know, to, to, uh, to kind of feel that and to see that and to um, try to wrestle with what is truly, what is good, what is allowable. You know, one of the things that's been helpful for me or one of the things that's been kind of a, a representative of where my heart's been is um, uh, Proverbs, I think it's Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18, 14 says, a man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear. Mm. And that's just been a good uh, verse for me to meditate on and a good encouragement for, for me to, to try to think through, hey, how, how, can, how can we be reasonable and be um, responsible in a season of, of shelter in place for you guys in the States. But at the same time, realizing that, man, I, I don't want to, I don't want to come out of this with a crushed spirit either. Mm -hmm. And so what does it look like either for my kids, for my wife, for my family, for my church to ensure or to encourage us toward being responsible and yet um, tending to your soul. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things for me that that's meant for me personally, again, I'm not putting this on anybody, but one of the, the things for me personally um, is that I, I just need to see people. Now, again, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going out there and just running all around town, you know, getting groups of people together. But again, if, if I can do that responsibly, cause I just think there, there's a, there's a joy this is what uh, the second John at the end of second John, he, he says there's so much more that I would, I would want to write to you, but I don't want to use pen and ink. I'd rather see you face to face so that my joy may be complete. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Paul, I think this is first uh, Thessalonians uh, kind of two, three, four. Uh, he, his, his desire is to be with the Thessalonians. Now he's writing them epistles. He, he's having communication with them. So that's the pinnacle of communicative uh, technology of his day. He's writing to them. And his epistles certainly encourage, they certainly exhort. Paul knew that. The Thessalonians knew it. But even Paul saw his letters, his, his mediated communication as being uh, inferior to seeing them face to face. And that's why he says in 1 Thessalonians, when we could bear it no more, we sent Timothy to you. Right. To find out how you're doing. And then Timothy finally came back so that we could rejoice and have full, uh, he talks about being, uh, uses the word joy again, refreshment and joy. And so there is a refreshment and joy that comes from uh, embodied uh, physical presence with people. And so now again, so what that means is, is maybe just during the season, you're feeling that longing build. 
and we have we don't have the ability to do that right now in a safe way and so we're just letting that longing build yeah or that means man uh, i'm going to i'm going to you know me and this one other friend uh we've both been quarantined so we know that neither one of us have the virus and we're going to get together and see each other to encourage one another to pray together read the word together um uh, have good conversation together on some way that we can can really um, do that well I think is is that's just been a, a big desire of mine and a burden of mine and you know the Lord's I think it's just been a part of the Lord's grace in my life and in our life our lives is, is as a family has been the ability to do that as we can in a safe way um, versus the more time that for me, the more time I'm isolated and just watching news and social media, the more that anxiety builds. And it's just been, it's been good for my soul to not have that crushed spirit that Proverbs 18 talks about. Oh no, thanks for sharing that. I think that's right on. And I would, yeah, I think the thing you hit on that is, you know, cause we're just real, really fresh in our shelter in place here. And, um, you know, the good thing is they still recommend outdoor exercise and you can walk and see neighbors across the street and all those things, which is, Obviously, yeah. you help, but I like that idea of the longing building, and and I'm hoping for for myself and others. Not only do we long for one another, but there's just a an ingrained longing for the Lord that is shaped during this time that won't recede uh, when it's faced with the challenge of uh, of just good old normal American life of of sports and you know, eat, drink, and be merry. And and, yep. and so I'm hoping that happens during this time. Uh, anyways, all right, it's it's late for me. It's still early for you. You got the whole day ahead of you. Um, but I really appreciate you joining us, or, or me, I guess, tonight. And I think it's really going to bless our people. And I do recommend our people go to the Gospel Coalition website. There's good ongoing articles about how to process coronavirus as a Christ follower. And Jason, I think, has two recently. Um, on there that I would commend to everybody. You know, you're famous now. You're my famous friend. I don't have a lot of famous <laughs> friends. Wow. But hey, um, praying for you, praying for Kim and, and all the girls, and uh, uh, we'll, we'll certainly check back in with you. Yeah, thanks, man. Anytime. Happy to happy to check in. Uh, love you guys. Miss you. Miss Harvest. I uh, hope to see you guys this summer when we're swinging back through.